The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. The glorious era that was Tudor England helped shape the early exploration and colonization of the North American continent. Join me as we begin a deep dive into Tudor England and its great transatlantic explorers. Along the way, we will share time with fascinating Tudor monarchs like the iconic King Henry VIII and the Virgin Queen Elizabeth. We will travel alongside New World adventurers who cross the pond, such as John and Sebastian Cabot, Martin Frobisher, Francis Drake, Richard Grenville, John Hawkins, Humphrey Gilbert, and Walter Raleigh, while learning of important pivotal events such as the Spanish Armada, as well as the influence of titans of history like William Tyndale and William Shakespeare on the settlement and subsequent development of the Western Hemisphere. When the Lancastrian Henry Tudor took the crown of England from the Yorkist King Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485, he brought an end to the Wars of the Roses between the House of Lancaster, which used the badge of a red rose, and the House of York, which used a white rose. To properly appreciate the Tudors, one must understand that Henry VII won his kingdom at the point of a sword and picked up his newly won crown from the mud of a battlefield. Henry was born in 1457 in Wales. His father was Edmund Tudor from the House of Richmond, and his mother was Margaret Beaufort from the House of Lancaster. In 1470, he was given the title of Earl of Richmond by Henry VI, last of the Lancastrian kings. Early in 1486, the newly crowned king married Elizabeth of York to bring all factions together and reign as Henry VII. Henceforth, using a unified red and white rose as his family insignia, the Tudor Rose. He wanted this badge to represent him, his family, and his heirs as an important symbol that would enhance his legitimacy as king and propagate his legacy. King Henry VII of England was considered by many a usurper of the crown causing him to constantly defend, promote, and solidify his tenuous claim to the crown. His son was the infamous Henry VIII, and his grandchildren were the monarchs Edward VI, Queen Mary, and Gloriana, the Virgin Queen, Elizabeth I. Henry negotiated marriage alliances for his children as part of his diplomacy. The 1503 marriage of his daughter Margaret to King James IV of Scotland aimed at detaching James from his alliance with France and ultimately led to a union of English and Scottish governments. Prince Arthur's marriage to the Spanish Princess Catherine of Aragon was ended by Arthur's subsequent death from a respiratory infection. Monarchs Ferdinand and Isabella suggested Henry's younger son and namesake as a replacement husband for their daughter. Henry VIII and Catherine would reign together for 24 years until the king, in search for a legitimate male heir, replaced the queen with a new wife, 
Anne Boleyn. During his 24-year reign, Henry VII's policy of restoring governmental effectiveness and implementing a more generous enforcement of law and order earned him much support. Government income more than doubled as he showed great sense and frugality in the use of money. The structure of Henry's government remained medieval in organization, but the king's investments in commerce, attention to technological changes in shipbuilding and mining, and sponsorship of voyages to the new lands across the ocean all gave to the general impression of Henry's government an effect which was both modern and national. The news of Christopher Columbus's recent discoveries on behalf of Spain was a spur to English action and secured the support of King Henry, who gambled on his own venture of exploration. On March 5, 1496, the king issued letters patent to navigator Giovanni Caboto, better known to history as John Cabot, and his three sons, giving them his royal authority for a voyage of exploration. The royal document authorized them, and I quote, free authority, faculty, and power to sail all parts, regions, and coasts of the eastern, western, and northern sea, under our banners, flags, and ensigns, with five ships or vessels of whatsoever burden and quality they may be, and with so many and with such mariners and men as they may wish to take with them in the said ships, at their own proper cost and charges, to find, discover, and investigate whatsoever islands, countries, regions, or provinces of heathens and infidels in whatsoever part of the world placed, which before this time were unknown to all Christians. We have also granted to them and to any one of them and have given license to set up our aforesaid banners and ensigns in any town, city, castle, island, or mainland whatsoever, newly found by them, and that the before-mentioned John and his sons or their heirs and deputies may conquer, occupy, and possess whatsoever such towns, castles, cities, and islands by them, thus discovered, that they may be able to conquer, occupy, and possess, as our vassals, and governor's lieutenants and deputies therein, acquiring for us the dominion, title, and jurisdiction of the same towns, castles, cities, islands, and mainlands discovered. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y using the code 30605. 
We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The exact details of John Cabot's life and his voyages are still subjects of controversy among historians and cartographers. Described as another Genoese like Christopher Columbus, Cabot was born at the midpoint of the 15th century and spent his formative years in Venice, eventually engaging in Mediterranean navigation and trade. There he married and had multiple sons. In 1488, he moved to Spain and sought support for an Atlantic expedition before moving to London in 1495 to seek funding and political support for a voyage to find an alternative route to the Orient. This plan was to depart westward from a northerly latitude where the longitudes are much closer together and where, as a result, the voyage would be much shorter. The king agreed, and like other explorers at those times, Cabot led an expedition on commission, in this case, from England. John Cabot went to Bristol to arrange preparations for his voyage. Bristol was the second largest seaport in England and was the only English city to have had a history of undertaking exploratory expeditions into the Atlantic. In 1496, Cabot made a voyage west from Bristol, but was forced to turn back because of a shortage of food, inclement weather, and disputes with his crew. In May 1497, Cabot sailed again from Bristol on a little ship called the Matthew, in the hope of finding a route to Asia. Leaving Bristol, the expedition sailed past Ireland and across the Atlantic Ocean. On June 24th, he sighted land somewhere on the coast of North America and called it New Found Land. He believed it was Asia and claimed it for England. Although the crew, upon making landfall, did not meet any native people during their brief visit, they did apparently come across tools, nets, and the remains of a fire. The crew appeared to have remained on land just long enough to take on fresh water. They also unfurled both the English and Venetian flags, claiming the land for the King of England and recognizing the religious authority of the Roman Catholic Church. Cabot continued to explore the coast for weeks thereafter, making observations and charting the coastline for future voyages. He landed only once during the expedition, before turning back. The exact location of the landfall has long been disputed, with different communities vying for the honor. Records indicate that he sighted land at a northern location believed to be somewhere in the Canadian Atlantic provinces. For the 500th anniversary celebrations, the governments of Canada and the United Kingdom designated Cape Bonavista in Newfoundland as the official landing place. Here in 1997, Queen Elizabeth II, along with members of the Italian and Canadian governments, greeted the replica, Matthew of Bristol, following the ship's celebratory crossing of the Atlantic. John Cabot has historically been credited with being the first European to land in North America since the Norsemen, and thereby also recognized as being the first European known to have landed in Canada after the Viking Age. On return to Bristol in early August 1497, Cabot rode to London to report to the king that the new lands were excellent, the climate temperate, 
and the sea covered with enough fish to satisfy England's needs. He was given a reward, adulated, and fated as a great explorer. Nine months later, Cabot departed on another expedition with a fleet of five ships from Bristol. Some of the ships carried merchandise, suggesting that he intended to engage in trade on this expedition. One of the ships was caught in a storm and forced to land in Ireland, but Cabot and the other four vessels continued on. Mystery surrounds the fate of the expedition. Was the fleet lost at sea? Or did one or more ships return safely to port? It's not known if Cabot survived the voyage or returned and died shortly after. His overall efforts, however, helped lay the groundwork for the later British claim to Canada. King Henry continued to support exploration from Bristol. In 1508, one of John Cabot's sons, Sebastian, undertook a voyage from Bristol to North America where he explored a section of the Canadian and American coast from Hudson Bay to Chesapeake Bay. Following his return to England in 1509, Sebastian found that his sponsor, Henry VII, had died and that his son, the new king, Henry VIII, had little interest in westward exploration. Like Columbus, Cabot believed that he was laying claim to part of Asia. The New World, which had begun as a dream, ended up being mistaken for another continent. It seems apt, however, that Canada, which has become a nation of many cultures, should have been discovered by an Italian sailor who was building on the navigational experience of Portugal and Spain, whose voyage was funded by the King of England, and who mistook this continent for Asia, the land from which the native people's ancestors had come. Sailing for God, gold, and glory, this titan of history has entered the pantheon of humans who changed the course of world history. His voyages had profound global consequences and quickly led to the opening up of the continent to massive changes and European colonization. Sebastiano Cabotto, better known to the English-speaking world as Sebastian Cabot, was the son of celebrated Venetian explorer John Cabot. After his father's death, Sebastian conducted his own voyages of discovery, including seeking the Northwest Passage through North America for England. He is most appreciated by historians today, however, for his world map of A.D. 1544, also known as the Sebastian Cabot Map. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride.